0: And now, for an Explominate interview, stay tuned. To an exploring Interview Podcast, I am your host, Rob. And joining me tonight is Drexy. Welcome to the show, Drexy. Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going well, man. We have a full house tonight. We are joined by, I don't know, the entire studio of Proxy Studios.
1: Welcome to the show. Would you mind introducing yourselves?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm Dan I'm a writer
1: for the studio. I'm Rock, and I'm doing design and programming.
3: Uh, I'm Sohail. I'm, I guess, in charge of the graphics, visual artist and
4: i'm lawrence also a designer and programming
0: i'm really glad to have all of you guys here it's really cool to see you guys all here too i've probably never had this many guests on a show which is pretty cool so we're here to talk about your newly announced forex zephon which i have to admit i'm really excited about because personally i've been like screaming to the gods about wanting a post apocalyptic forex game for as long as i can remember maybe as long as explominate has been alive and you just recently announced a couple of weeks ago that Zephon would be coming late 2022. And so I wanted to get you guys on and, and see what we could wrangle out of you. So, first things first, what is Zephon?
4: Like Zephon the game or Zephon the being? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, I'll be more specific. Tell me what Zephon, the Forex game, is going to be. <laughs>
4: Well, okay, so Saphon is going to be our next for x game. And what we are doing with it, like after having done games like Pandora and Gladius, is to bring the social and also the diplomatic aspects and try to combine them with what made Gladius great. That is like a lot of different unit abilities and very deep tactical combat and to make this blend of um Having a narrative for X in our own like in our own custom or in our own post apocalyptic setting that is like also having all these weird cyberpunky or kind of fantastical influence Tertullian uh, aspects to it
0: oh man, you mentioned Cthulhu, and all of a sudden, I mean I was already excited, but this this sounds awesome, so then can you kind of set up the background here? Of what exactly you said, this post-apocalyptic. But can you tell us a little bit about why we're here in this game? Like, what's happened to get us to a post-apocalyptic setting?
2: Essentially, the world has got to a point where it's the near future. An alien race has travelled millennia across the stars because of a prophecy to reach to reach Earth, because it believes that Earth will be the end of life in the universe. And they have got here, and they have attempted to destroy all life on Earth, and everything has gone dreadfully wrong for them. For us and for basically for the planet and we we play as you play as a group of humans who have somehow survived this apocalyptic event and are coming out into a world to discover that nobody is doing well basically that the the aliens are barely surviving in an alien atmosphere and on an alien world humanity is struggling the few survivors are picking their way through the rubble um and that ais have emerged which helped frustrate the aliens' intentions, but now are as much a threat to humanity as the aliens are themselves. And you have choices there about how you tackle these foes, how you try and survive, and I guess essentially how you um, work out the future of humanity and the universe. That's that's us. Wow.
1: That's really well said, I think. And he pointed out an excellent Mm -hmm. dilemma between the AI or the intelligent machines that emerge and these alien species And one of the main themes, I think, is how to navigate between the two and deciding who you're going to side with, whose tech you're going to follow or absorb into your own, or you're just going to, are you going to stay true to humanity and the human values?
5: Sounds excellent. Is there more than one human faction or is it just one human faction that's left? Depends
1: what you call a faction, but essentially there are multiple because there's multiple um, leaders following different uh, or uh, people following different leaders. So humanity is split apart because of survival, right? They have to struggle, there's limited resources and they cling to
5: whoever they know, whoever was closest to them or whoever's true to their beliefs. So will it be a case that maybe one group of humans follow the more... From the a i side, but there'd be another that uh more into the alien tech and stuff like that for sure, yeah,
2: I don't think it's as even as simple as that it's they can affiliate to both to they they can go one way or another and they're all they all have their own characteristics as well, so they all they are, the leaders are almost mutators on how your group of humans behaves and then how there are lots of other ways that you can customize a group of humans basically does that seem fair rock
5: yeah,
1: and it's it's even further, it's also how other humans react to you because they'll all have different likes and dislikes, which will impact how you're you're going to relate to them or how your standing will be with them and theirs with you. Right. So it kind of sounds like, you know, in the traditional 4 sense, you
0: initially start with choosing a leader over necessarily a faction. Is that how this works? Yeah, you could look at it like that. Okay, cool. So... Why did you guys decide to... I mean, like, you've come off, of course, the... Like, I would say, well-received, mostly, Pandora. And then, of course, Gladius kind of puts you guys in a new stratosphere. Everybody likes Gladius. And now Mm -hmm. you've kind of come back to what seems like a very original Forex idea. So what made you guys decide to maybe, you know, pull back a bit and decide to go traditionally, a more traditional Forex?
3: To be honest, I think each of us had their own reasons to do it. Good point, yeah. I mean, for me, basically... Yeah, for me, it was like, when we were doing Pandora, there was a lot of stuff we couldn't do. Uh, we were getting started, we were trying to build a game engine and just doing our best to like create the best game we could with the circumstances we had. And then it in, Glad- in Gladius, the game engine started really taking shape, and like I felt like our hands were a bit more freed. But then again, we were doing a specific IP, so we didn't have like the creative freedom that we would have if we were doing our own IP. So there were a bunch of like leftover ideas for me and like uh, designs and stuff I wanted to try out. And then uh, now we basically can't do that. So I'm just going crazy with all of the harebrained ideas I had along the way.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. <laughs> so with that, I mean, like, okay, you guys, you know, you fall back and you're like, all right, we've 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 kind of established ourselves. We've, we've gained some momentum with our ability to program and make a game and you're coming back to making a game that you have a bit more freedom with. But, I mean, how much have you guys already set up? Like, have you guys already storyboarded, like, I mean, or at least kind of set the foundation for exactly what you want to do? I mean, like, are you still in the the, the early stages of development? Like, where are you with regards to making this game?
4: I think we're actually, um, I mean... There's still um, stuff that has to be decided, of course, but we have our design documents like this project is also it's like a corporation uh, with a Euro media group like so it has like a grant and it is co-financed um, by the European Union. So we had to like already bring a proposal like we have a milestone plan and everything in order, of course. And um, we are working very nicely along that way. We are also trying to um, make like um, an early prototype as fast as possible so that you can like already get a very good impression from how the earlier tiers play out. Try to make that as complete as possible. And like a lot of the design is already done. We are churning through the units. So um, we don't wanna overpromise any timelines. Like that's always the hard thing. That's why we also took like a bit of a safe side here. But I think it's going along quite nicely. A lot of design documents
2: aren't there. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff's already been written and designed and redesigned and rewritten. So we um quite a lot on one side already.
0: Nice. All right. Well would someone mind telling me basically how like a game will play out? So like can you kinda of walk me through like the beginning stages? I mean, is it closely following the forex formula? Are you starting off and developing a city and expanding and all that? I mean, can you tell me a little bit about how the game flow works?
1: Yeah, sure. To start off, you're you're gonna choose your leader, which is gonna determine some a plethora of things, how you start off, it might change anything from the starting units or uh, your starting abilities or any other things we might still come up with. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that part. It's also going to have, as I said, a, a bio of the background of the leader and what he stands for and doesn't, so you can feel like you're playing the particular person because that's really important to us. But yeah, it it will quite a traditional forex in the sense that, or let me put it this way. I think we're super proud of the merciless nature of the wildlife in Gladius. And um, I think I speak for everyone that we're going to try to keep that and maybe even kick it up a notch and bringing even more of the flavor and survival aspect and a little bit of horror and doom uh, to it so yeah in the beginning stages you're gonna find your city you're gonna explore a little you're gonna figure out how far you can go because it's gonna be scary you're gonna discover the different features of the world and how it's changed and how the apocalypse uh, impacted it what the remains are Uh, you're gonna meet this neutral NPC leaders, which is something we didn't have in Gladius, which I'm pretty excited by as well. Um, some will represent uh, the aliens, some will represent Zephon, the AI overlord faction, and some will represent the humans. And you're going to have to decide who you align with, who you don't. So this would be more like the where we introduce diplomacy to a large degree and also the quest system, which is another yeah, big which thing is- we can... Talk about
4: yeah, exactly. Like um, we do have like an event system. We're gonna make it very sandboxy this time. Like where you will have like regularly pop up events, and like they kind of they can result in missions or objectives. They can result in like modifiers for your entire faction. Like in emergencies, it's certain like cities and whatnot. They also change your standing, like how you align or how your faction kind of unfolds. Like you will gain traits like based on your decisions, which will be referenced and like uh, used again or have an impact in later events or your interaction up to like the very end of the story we want to make the whole um, environment like feel very alive and dangerous and like vivid. And as Rock said, like also the survival aspect and the feature, we really want to push it. Like you will see lots of strange features so that whenever you start to explore out, you're like, oh, what the hell is this? And what the hell is this? Uh, Yeah, so we are putting a lot of effort into creating this alien world. So um, these are all in the making currently and will slowly people will see more and more of those with shots as the months go by.
2: So, uh, yeah, I'd say on the survival aspect, the, the thing that, that most reminds me, you know, obviously all games are, it's quite hard to come up with original ideas these days, but all games are riffing off things we've seen elsewhere, but the survival aspect, you might look back to things like Stalker, where it's, you're going out into an unknown world and looking at that world and trying to understand it and trying to work out the ways you can survive in that world, considering how hostile it is in, in unexpected ways, and... Also, what Lauren said there about the the way that you kind of build up tags, that your leaders start with kind of traits, and that you can gain more traits by doing these quest things, it kind of feeds into a concept of, I don't think we've talked about it explicitly internally, but maybe something like systematic interaction, where different, mm-hmm. you know, in traditional forexes the systems kind of run in parallel. You kind of build up your army and you're doing your research, but they are feeding into each other, but it's not, it's a very... You know, you know exactly how that feeding in is going to happen. Whereas having that trait system for your leaders on the quest stuff, feeding into those other systems, it gets a lot more complex and a lot less predictable on what you're going to be doing and what, where you're going with the game. So it pulls away from that traditional 4X side. And I'd say generally it looks like a traditional 4X, but it's not going to be if we get, well, if we get our way, if we do the design stuff we want to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more RPG elements, so it's, it's a bit more of a blend there that we want to stand out with
0: yeah i mean it sounds kind of like you know based on the choices you make and based on your development like the development of your character or the the leader that you've embodied that you may be presented with certain options and stuff later on the game based on the choices you've made is that what you're saying yep definitely that's a huge thing that's awesome yeah
2: Yeah. i'd I'd say maybe something like FDL is another kind of milestone for us is is a non-traditional narrative told through sandboxy interactions. Like FTL has no plot. It just has an awful lot of events that pop up and give you an idea of where the world's been, where the world's going, where you're going. So that's an inspiration, certainly.
1: And and I think all all of that runs parallel with uh, the technology tree in which you'll be very directly picking which path you want to go through. If that's the AI, the the voice or the alien or the human tech and that's gonna both very explicitly graphically change how your armies and cities will look like but also functionally right because they will play very different and they will have different connotations to them with different abilities and different focus and weaknesses and strengths resources yeah even resources yeah it's another pretty big thing that We expanded on from Gladius having the production chains where one resource transfers into another, and you'll need that to build like the most fearsome and powerful units. Wow. Okay. So that kind of reminds me of beyond
0: earth, like how each, you know, like as you start to go down, like an ideology pathway, your units look different. Your like entire, like, I don't know, everything about your culture starts to look different as a result. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like if I decide that. I'm going to really lean into alien technology, then my civilization starts to look more like an alien civilization and my units start to look more alien. And, you know, I might even have, like, some weird alien headdress on or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's it's Beyond Earth dialed up to 100 because it's not just going to slightly change the armor of your troopers or something. It's, you're going to have entirely different units which might Most consist of Cthulian creatures or totally cybernetic ghost walking assassins so totally different paths you can go on
5: due to the nature of 40k gladius didn't have any diplomacy and uh this time around you will have diplomacy can you just go into how that works in this game would it just be like trading or can you absorb other factions into your faction how does diplomacy work in
4: Okay, so for diplomacy, we want to have like a narrative or role-play aspect. So um, basically all of the leaders, you will have talk and conversations. It's all going to be written out to be as immersive as possible. And I have to also say that we are like a combat-focused game. So um, it's going to be not that easy to make new friends. Like people are going to be a bit distrustful. You have to earn their trust or support. But we also want you to give you the option to kind of manipulate their like NPC leaders to go against third parties. Like, that is something we really want to push hard. So you can kind of spin those intrigues and like forge those alliances. And you obviously have your training packs that work with the resources. And due to all the different resources and all the different branches, gives you like better partners for some, depending on if they have maybe access to that resource you need. To bring that sort of complexity that adds somewhat but also these leaders will be and um, their personalities like back to the trade system or event system they will interact based on what choices you had in events what traits you gained like what traits you started with what your ideologies are that kind of thing yeah so it's gonna be like immersive role play like but it will have Obviously, gameplay um, implications, and you can form pacts and alliances.
1: I think there's also an interesting dynamic between the quest system and diplomacy, which in Gladius might have presented some difficulties, because when a quest arrived, you could never temporarily make friends with your neighbors to finish that quest. Well, this will be a possibility here, so I think they will go very well together to get the strengths of each.
2: Yeah, I'd say it's also a way of like traditional diplomacy systems in forexes tend to be either gameable or quite often irrelevant. Like you, like if you're strong, then you're kind of ahead anyway. If it's like, if you've got an arbitrary di- diplomatic advantage, then you, uh, you lead on diplomacy and you can force people to do things which don't make sense for them to do. So this kind of, by using the trait system, by having them react to events, you've Things you've explicitly chosen to do, you're, we're making it so that your diplomacy system is these people seeming to react to the history of the world that you've created.
5: Uh, that's really good to hear because, yeah, diplomacy a lot of the time in Forex Game is, like you said, it's very gameable and it's it's not really done very well. So it's it's cool that you've sort of um, added the RPG aspect into the diplomacy.
1: I think it's even more than that. I don't know that we want to reveal it right now. But the, the story has a progress in a way and it will end with a certain event and how you like Yeah, but, <laughs> but it all it all it all ties in with diplomacy and how you choose your friends and your actions, right? So it like all goes really deeply together in portraying the experience and how the game would develop for you. So
0: hmm.
2: But we're not talking about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's quite yes. Yeah. I, I look forward to hearing about it. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about Zephon? So it sounds like you've named this game after the the, the AI. It's now kind of up and coming, and I guess after, like, kind of rise from the ashes of, of this failed alien invasion. And so, can you tell us a little bit more about this faction and specifically, like, what their intentions are?
2: So essentially, the alien invasion wasn't really stopped by the humans, the aliens arrived and they're. They have overwhelming power because they have been traveling for millennia just to do this one thing and inspired by these prophecies they receive from this mysterious source they call the Voice. And they get to Earth and they are stopped. And it is implied that the thing that has stopped them is this Zephon. But by the time you come out of your bunker, your faction has organized enough to to come out into the, the world again and survive. Zephon is a very fragmented set of AI things or a thing. And it's quite hard. To know what it is, what how much of a threat it was, beyond knowing that it was a thing that for a second or a few minutes, in that time it was, it had a a kind of enough time to kind of defeat these aliens and then fell apart itself. So you're kind of trying to explore what this AI is, and and the thing that you you seem to be talking to, which seems to call itself Zephon in the diplomacy side, which is one of the NPCs, is weird and friendly and it's a bit kind of Chinese roomy. You can't really tell if this thing is conscious or if it's a chatbot and a chatbot that once that ran the world for a couple of minutes and defeated a, a transgalactic alien race. That's kind of that's the best way I can phrase Zephon.
3: Power is going to war against each other and it's basically mutually assured destruction and humanity is kind of stuck in between and when you come out they're trying to rebuild and you're trying to rebuild and it's like this... Race for who gets the upper hand, and I don't want to say much more than that. I guess. <laughs> no, that's cool. But yeah, Zephon is one of the superpowers, right?
0: In a world of like superpowers that have clearly lost their superpower, <laughs> so it's, yes, exactly. So there's like this power vacuum, right? From what I understand, like everybody who's kind of you know the humans, of course they they sheltered, they like sounds like they like went to fallout shelters and. Basically, like, try to do what they could to survive this, you know, upcoming calamity. And then you have your aliens who did their best, and they're you're kind of straggling too. And then you have your AI, and so it's like now it's time for everybody to kind of like gather their forces and try to to, to suck up that power. Is that kind of where it's at? Yeah, precisely. Awesome. That sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, pretty
3: much. There's a pretty big power vacuum.
0: Great. Well, so then that was going to be my one of my questions too. Is like it sounds like in this game you're not given the option to play as like an alien or robot faction, right? You're just you're simply a human leader, which of course there's some, you know, variance and asymmetry to the leaders that you choose and then, you know, you go off and you you try to rebuild the human empire though, right?
1: Yes, there's a caveat there that we might may, may explore giving yeah. leaders that are not essentially human they could be a robot they could even be like an alien that turned to the human side so we we want to explore those options as well but you would still start off or you would still represent humanity i think at least at the start yeah and then yeah
4: later on you choose to travel down the branches and then like at least once you're further down the line of either path, like either the voice or the cybernetic, there won't be much looking human anymore in the end. Let's put yeah. it that way. <laughs>
3: exactly. You might not even be human like,
4: at the
0: end. That's cool. I like that a lot. Well, so I, I think that, you know, if we could go back to Gladius for just a brief second, you know, huh. with Gladius, you guys did an amazing job of making each faction feel very, and, and I think that comes with the lore, right? The, you know, the, the Warhammer lore yep. is that, they're, they are very asymmetric factions, and they have their strengths, and you know that's why there is this eternal war that never ends. But you guys did a great job of of actually implementing that in the gameplay. So, do you plan on making your leaders as asymmetric, or you know, I guess how do you go about making them as asymmetric? I know you just talked about traits and stuff like that, but are they going to have uh, particular like super affinities that you know make them you know maybe play differently than any other
1: leader? I think you need to. Think about it slightly different than in Gladius or in other forexes because you have two parallel things. One is the leaders, which determines your traits and superpowers and standings with other and like personalities and so on. But and on the other hand, you have these three paths or these three branches, humanity, cyber and voice. So if you look at Gladius in each of the factions that would be more similar to one of the paths. Because each path has very, very unique units. It has special operations as well. It has unique buildings. It has all sorts of things. But at the same time, you also have leaders, which are a modifier into that, if that makes sense. Yeah. What you're saying, basically,
0: is that like the the three paths are the more maybe wildly branching, very asymmetric yeah. game gameplay paths that you can take. But you know, the leader kind of can compound that or make it, you know, make it, maybe make it stronger, maybe kind of complement it in some ways and, and so on and so forth, right? Exactly, yeah.
4: The leaders will have their own abilities and there will be upgrades for their abilities, so they will definitely play different and uh, result in, like, different strategies or strengths and weaknesses and whatnot, like definitely more than we had, in, for example, in Pandora, but not to the level we had in Glide.
5: So with the three paths, is it, do you take one and then you're stuck on that path or can you sort of weave between them
4: yes you can very much weave between them that is like actually one of the cool things that like the paths have like a large unit roster like their own individual rosters and it can be like you could maybe go very deep in one direction based on your starting resources and what you find and how you build or you can combine and like pick and choose between the paths to give like really strange looking compositions but certain units might synergize very well Like, we made upgrades. Like, that is one of the things in Gladius that often we have, like, also you choose, you go, for example, infantry or you go vehicles and whatnot or heroes. And it might be, like, shouldn't I just put everything onto one, right? Just go maximum infantry. Is it, like, really worth the investment going in the other direction? And with Sephon, like, we do have upgrades which give certain combinations or promote certain cross-play combinations between the paths and between the units. And it will be up to the players to find out, like, what works very well, I guess one could think a bit of um, like magic, the gathering with the different colors, which have the different strength and play different and what you can combine and what synergies you can build. That is something we definitely are very excited about.
5: So yeah. basically you could have like a robot top with uh, alien legs or powered <laughs> legs or something like that, or acid spitters, the robot with acid spitters. That sounds good. Uh, cool.
4: Yeah, yeah. Like different troop formations can definitely mix and match very nicely to give strange looking compositions. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, it's, it's worth saying as well that the sure way, given the way that the combat works, which is probably the secret source of the studio, really, is the, the kind of strong tactical combat and the heavy asymmetry. Given that the units have like a variety of weapons, it can take a little while for you to work out what the best way to deploy different units is and how they could work together. And it you know, like as we've seen with balancing and Gladius over the years, it's like we don't always get <laughs> how these units are going to be used and how they, how you're going to, people are going to play with them. So if you've got the option to basically mm. make customizable faction out of a whole bunch of different units, then, then players are going to surprise us, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. And speaking of combat, and I know that that really has been your strength. I think most people that are really big fans of Forex gaming say that Gladius, perhaps some of the best combat in all of Forex gaming. So I'm curious to know how you guys are going to maybe, iterate on that and how maybe you're going to take that that system that that works very well for warhammer and maybe are you going to add any systems to that or maybe iterate on it to make it you know maybe more tactical in any way
4: like i think on the one hand with the unit abilities like gladius has already a lot of different abilities but with Saphon, we are really trying to push it um the limit one might say like in what because like so high like um i said like he had designs we have like full creative freedom so we can come up with really strange creations and especially with very advanced uh, machine technology like the sci-fi aspect or the more fantastical mystical aspect of the voice you can have really crazy ideas like that will I'm sure play out very, very fantastically when <laughs> in players' hands. But yeah, I think like that's that's an angle we're definitely trying to push further.
0: Very cool guys. If you wouldn't mind, I want to switch gears to the economy. And you guys have mentioned strategic resources a few times and I'm just curious to know about them. And you know it sounds like you'll need different strategic resources depending on which path you take. Could you tell us more about that? Yep,
1: that's exactly it. Some of them you'll gather just by exploring, either through different ruins you discovered that, you, that were left alone. From that, you can get either resources or items or all sorts of other bunny. We want to push that uh, uh, further as well. But in terms of resources, yeah, you'll start up with pretty basic ones, like food and minerals and energy. And then as you go deeper into the, one of the three paths, you'll discover that to conjure the voice, you maybe need algae or like further on like dimensional echoes, and you'll need to combine the resources into uh, the right ones to build the special units. So
5: So you did mention earlier on with the resources, it's not just, you have one resource and that makes an IME, you said it's sort of a, like a supply chain almost, and you build something out one resource, which builds into another. Is that correct? Yep. We're
1: actually really excited to see how that plays out because in Gladius, that's also a strength of doing one set of technologies that everyone can go for rather than having uh, fully asymmetric and split factions. There's a lot of benefits to each side and we're discovering more and more benefits to having a a merged tree where you can combine all these things and have all these sorts of trade-offs and more resources and... I said yeah things you combine to get stronger things. and I'm really excited to see how that plays out in terms of how strong it is, what the limits are, how far we can push it mm-hmm. and so on
4: yeah I mean the the research tree it's going be it's going to be massive, massive. <laughs> yeah, how fast people break it exactly find the find the good paths that work well <laughs>
2: well that's, that's that's when we start doing more balanced stuff isn't it? it is constantly nerfing to make sure that every there's a lot of different viable paths for people to play to keep that keep it so that players when they're doing multiplayer are surprising each other that's the that's a nice aim isn't it
1: yeah i've been designing the tech tree over the last days with or at least the the first third of the tech tree with Lawrence in the last weeks And it's becoming really massive. And also in terms of resources and resource buildings, we're going for very interesting techs, I think, that manipulate how the buildings work depending on which buildings you have. So if you grab a certain tech, it might change how your resource building works if you have this other resource building, or it might change how the conversion of resource happens. So I'm really excited to explore that space, which we haven't been able to so far. Uh,
2: That's actually the first I've heard of that, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm right Scoop. (laughs) We got a scoop. (laughs) Just to check, is that kind of like, uh, like industries of Titan or Factorio or things like that where the kind of buildings feed into each other or affect each other's behavior then?
1: Not to that explicit degree, but it will be a modifier which modifies things like that, yes. uh, We still want to be predominantly a combat game, right? We don't want to build a factory. But we want to to
4: be careful not to go too far. Like, um, yeah, we want to push it further. Like, we want to see that there are synergies between the buildings. Um, But one also has to be too careful that your city management doesn't eat up all of the time and it turns into a full simulation. So that's always the difficulty with game design, finding the right balance
1: yeah and i and I think with technologies, you like don't have to research it if you don't want to go that way. Like you can just stick to building units and just build like three times the amount of simple buildings and I
5: mean you'll do fine, I think. I think that's the first time we've had a dev team arcs their own team a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an iteration.
2: I've been asking Rock things on chat today, where I was like, "Are we still doing that? Are we doing this?" It, it, yeah, it, the, <laughs> like, and this is this is because obviously I'm asking this, but we've like I have been playing the game relatively recently, which I'm surprised that we have a version of the game that's already working, and we're still we've got just got lots of time to iterate. And games benefit so much from iteration, playtesting, repeat, just that that loop to to find that polish and to make it to make something you're proud of
0: yeah you know something that i just actually i mean i I know you guys are probably all familiar with soren johnson but i interviewed him not too long ago and he says that that's his main design philosophy is to get something up real quick and then start iterating on it because you can't you got to find the fun right you got to find what works and you can only do that by playing it and figuring out what works what doesn't work and you know the quicker you have something going the better and easier that is to find he says
1: yeah it's exactly what we're working towards right now and we we want to have a vertical slice of the first third of the game, at least in broad aspects, done by like, the end of this year. So we want to get that out and playing as soon as possible. At least internally. <laughs> I was about to say, cool.
3: <laughs> We're such a small team, though, because uh, we can make like pretty quick changes uh, just because like, we don't have... 10 different concepts artists doing something, and I don't know, 10 different modelers modeling stuff. So, I feel like we're, because we're such a small team, we can be a bit more agile when it comes to like making quick, like decisions and going down a slightly different path.
1: Yeah, I think Sohel's even underestimating it. I think we can be a lot more agile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so I want to come back to just a quick, I mean, maybe to help me understand it, I was going to give you an example of what I think what you're trying to say is. So, like, as you start your civilization and you're starting to branch out and you're in this like just crazy, scary world, you start to maybe uncover some, you know, local resources and maybe one of them's like something like titanium and you know, as you know, maybe titanium is something that maybe the Zephon would appreciate or like that Zephon tree (laughs) might gear towards. And so you're like, all right, cool. Since I have so much Zephon or so much titanium around, maybe it would be a good idea strategically to start taking on some of the Zephon tech and then go from there, right? Is that what, is that what I'm getting?
1: Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that sounds cool. I mean, that, that makes it so that map generation plays almost as much of a role in your overall strategy as yes. what you were going to do anyways. So that's pretty cool.
2: Especially in multiplayer. That'll make a big difference in multiplayer when people are logging, like they, they appear and they go, oh, well, I normally play this way. I normally go more on the voice side, but I can't do that this time. So I'm going to have to experiment. And forcing people out of their comfort zone is a great way of getting more interesting multiplayer games going
1: yeah and, and super cool in co-op as well because you can have one player go one way and the other guy is like oh should i go the same way with you should we trade or should i go this other way like mm. let's combine the forces and do both branches how do the two branches interact if we do them together like what can we how can we make this overpowered combination how can we find it
5: moving on to cities we did discuss it a little bit but how large do your cities get and how many cities can you make or is it just one city and a bunch of outposts? Can you go to detail how that works?
4: Yeah, we definitely wanna keep that there are multiple cities currently in Gladius. It's like usually between two and three. Like for Cephon, we probably want to push it up a little bit so that there's a bit more um you can focus on the infrastructure side because we also have like i said due to the large tech tree right and like there's a lot to traverse so it is also more content to go through so you have a bit more time to build up your things There come like more advanced buildings unlike in gladius um so yeah there's there will be more cities but we're also going to try to keep it manageable because obviously um if if you have like this large world and like two large armies it can become a bit of a problem and we are like uh, thinking about like how we tackle that like especially in the um, the later stages of the game because that is always a problem in 4x so on the one hand we want to do it like with a event system to bring events in on the other hand we are currently experimenting and thinking about like options to kind of um help out these uh, eight decisions that could come up if we have some sort of governor or like some other agency. But um, yeah, n- not sure about that one yet. It's still in discussion.
1: One super cool thing for me about cities is that it'll really ref- reflect the buildings you build. You know, like in RTSs, when you build a barracks, you know, that's barracks and that city has 10 barracks, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, that's like a city with, that's going to pump out the infantry.
5: Cool. So if you even like scouring the enemy, you sort of kind of know what they're up to as well. Yeah. And you'll know, did they go voice or they,
1: like their city looks all super weird. They're doing like a weird strat or like a voice strat, right?
0: Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Much like Gladius, you're building on hexes around your like main city hub.
4: Yep. Yes. Yes. We were very happy with how that worked out in Gladius and we want to keep that aspect for Saphon.
1: Yep. <clears throat>
0: Great. Yeah, I really like that. And I gen another thing that I genuinely like about Gladius is just how you guys manage city management. It felt like it it felt like it was the pace the pacing was perfect for me and then I never felt like I was micromanaging them, but I also felt like every time I went to queue up something, it was important and I was generally gatekeeped at some level like like there was there was something that was keeping me from just spamming like forty two, you know, like boys from the orcs, right? Like I always needed to make mm-hmm. very thoughtful yeah. decisions and I hope that you guys can relay that and bring that over. So one more question I had about cities and then I think we can, we're going to wrap up, unfortunately, because I have like 40 questions I want to ask, but <laughs> we
1: can uh, do it again.
0: <laughs> great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, another thing you meant, you were, you're talking about like, you know, the, the late game of a Forex and I've always had a struggle with that because I feel like, you know, as you do add more cities and, you know, you, know, you start to add to queues and stuff like that, it does become a bit micromanagement heavy. And so my question is, you know, you you mentioned, you know, possibly adding governors and stuff like that. But also, are there any plans to make maybe the development or city or founding of cities kind of, you know, unique in that they require a specific set of resources or a specific set of, of food source or something like that? I mean, I, mean, I imagine in a post-apocalyptic world, it's kind of hard to find food. So maybe that would be like, you know, there's only certain spots you can find cities. Is something like that being implemented?
2: There's two elements to that, I guess. There's the the way we've always been... Uh, um, gate kept. Uh, how you can build cities by kind of putting limits on the productivity of cities if you build too many. Definitely, there was a kind of morale factor. I think uh, I'm writing that on IROK. Yeah, Gladys,
0: yeah, loyalty. it yeah.
2: kind of it holds you back if you build too many. But there's also a kind of general ethos that we want to have which is when we're doing design work looking at 4x's is how do we make quality of life improvements to these games like the problem with 4x's is that you get to the end game and you're managing a hundred cities and they're all telling you to build new things and you get to the end of a game of Civ, and it's just you're just ending up spending more time managing the cities and then hitting end turn than you are actually playing the doing the fun bits of the game so it's we, we we're constantly thinking about ways of amping up the fun bits and reducing the micro like we've talked about like getting rid of the a lot of the minor creeps towards the end game so that you don't have to like go be wandering around managing them when you want to be fighting the the big baddies stuff there's there's design elements we can bring in basically to speed up the creation of the management of cities or to eliminate that bit in the end game to accelerate towards an end game rather than trudging towards it
1: and i think this brings it also back to leaders and how depending on what you choose that might change how you're you're gonna manage the economy uh we still want to do a one city leader you know because we can definitely do that and we might uh also do leaders that have either a more limited set of resources or traditionally have more cities less cities and things like that so you can find the play style that that fits you
5: i know rob wants to wrap up but i did one and this is a combo Focus forex games i did want to ask about your armies and how large do they get or is it limited because the limited resources and you know what sort of units do you get is it presumed vehicles maybe flying vehicles or is it mostly infantry how, how do armies work basically in this game
4: you will have A lot of things like infantry, like hovering units, like flying units, like the weirdest creations that cybernetica or like your voice mysticism can conjure up. There is, of course, upkeep and like these special units, like they they said, they do need resources. So you kind of have to pick carefully what kind of elite units you want with these resources and maybe fill the ranks then with more traditional units or like the lower tier units. That is also one of the things like in Gladius that um, some of the earlier units get kind of out of um, like they they lost focus or couldn't compete anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, we definitely now want to also have that like you get really advanced units, but due to the resource restrictions, maybe you still have to carry some old ones along. But also we are making like upgrades for all units. There's not going to be a single unit where you can't like do upgrades and augment it in some way to give it new abilities or weapons and whatnot. Mm So, yeah, it will be very customizable and you will see a very wide range of things like all over.
1: And all yeah. over also we want to battle. visualize, we want to visualize all those upgrades. So if you research a uh, shield on your trooper, you're going to see it. If you research like a med pack, at least you're going to see like a little backpack improvement or like a mine layer on a, you're going to see like a li- an extra hatch pop up or something like that.
2: And again, it's all in service of not wasting your time, so that you don't want to be having these these units hanging around that you can't bear to get like, get get rid of. Everything has to be useful. So having those tech tree upgrades at the end in the end game that kind of turn your your basic troopers into something much more deadly for end game units is a is a nice boon. This gives you another sudden twist and changes player strategies
0: that all sounds great and it sounds like you're going to be putting lawrence and Sully to work a lot because i hear visual upgrades and visual representation a lot (laughs) it sounds like you're going to be working really hard on all those visual upgrades and visual representations oh Um, yes a really big focus yeah that's that's great to hear well gentlemen i i like i said i could ask you questions all day this sounds i mean if if I I felt like if, if I were talking to a group that maybe we're just getting started on forex games, I would say this sounds way too good, right? Like there's just no <laughs> way, <laughs> because all this sounds like it's really iterating on forex in general, right? Like the the ideas behind forex and some of the systems that forex have kind of stuck to for way too long, and and all of our opinions really you guys seem to be like taking those ideas and saying, Nope, Nope. We're going to do something different with that. We're going to, we're going to make diplomacy more, you know, more lore based and more of a, a quest and, you know, more, you know, almost like a narrative. And, you know, actually we're going to do this cool thing with units where, you know, everything looks different. And, you know, we're, this, this would all sound crazy if it weren't you guys. So, I mean, and I, and I say that because I really feel like you guys have really stepped up your game over the last couple games that you've made and, you're clearly, you know, maturing into a, a really great development studio. So I, I really, I can't tell you how excited I am for this game. I'm, can you guys just go ahead and send over a copy or what? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you very much. That's yeah, very, very good to hear. Yeah. Very encouraging. Yeah, and now
2: we need to now
0: we just
4: need keep, keep keep making it. We need to finish it. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, I don't want
0: to jinx anything. You guys need to keep making this. All right, this game isn't good yet. All right, just make it good. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, yeah. guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to answer all of our questions. I know that we, you know, you we thankfully skirted the line between, you know, maybe asking too much. You were able to answer our questions in a way that, you know, wasn't promising anything or over-promising anything. It sounds great. But, you know, I think that, you know, with the, the right amount of time. And, and really, honestly, the, you guys clearly have the skills and the the talent. So I'm really excited. And I just want to take the time to thank you again for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This was awesome.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Great,
0: yep. Great. Well, this is Rob Drexy and all of Proxy Studios. Or actually, is this all of you guys or is it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to say I was about to say that. And I was like, crap, I don't want to sign off that way and be wrong. This is Rob Drexy and Proxy Studios for Explominates. Until next time, keep exploring.